The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Good morning. It's Friday the 13th of October in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, a looming invasion. The Israeli army tells 1.1 million civilians and UN staff to leave northern Gaza. Plus, in other news, we'll have the latest on the growing political turmoil in the United States, where Steve Scalise has walked away from his brief bid to be House Speaker. And the British billionaire Jim Ratcliffe closes in on a major investment in Manchester United. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The Israeli army has told the United Nations and more than a million civilians to leave northern Gaza in the next 24 hours in a sign that a ground invasion may now be imminent. Israel's military has positioned around 300,000 personnel outside the Palestinian territory and struck hundreds of targets in retaliation for the Hamas attacks on Israel that killed at least 1,200 people. Health authorities in Gaza say airstrikes there have killed at least 1,300 and wounded thousands more. Bushra and her husband were caught up in one of the strikes. A missile hit in the square and there was rubble hitting us as we were walking. There was glass, metal. It was like doomsday. Those comments come as Rishi Sunak has urged his Israeli counterpart to protect ordinary Palestinians amid efforts continuing to drive the Hamas group out of Gaza. In a phone call last night, the British Prime Minister urged Benjamin Netanyahu to allow humanitarian aid into the city. The US Secretary of State Antony Blinken is travelling to Saudi Arabia, Egypt and other allied countries in the Middle East as part of American efforts to keep the Israel-Hamas conflict from spreading further. During his visit to Israel, Blinken met survivors of Hamas's attack on the country. Yes, we lost a lot of our friends, close friends, and lots of family members. There are a lot of people that we know that are kidnapped and now in Gaza. Yeah, we went through horror... Really, I'm just like, I'm 24, (laughs) and I never imagined something like this would happen ever in a dance, in a music festival. We celebrated love, (laughs) and we danced, and it was amazing. Then the rocket started, and gunshots everywhere. We managed to escape, but there were a lot of friends that didn't. I know. Thank you so much for being here and speaking to me. It means a lot. Speaking in Tel Aviv after meeting relatives of those kidnapped or killed by Hamas, Blinken had this message for the country. The message that I bring to Israel is this. You may be strong enough on your own to defend yourself, but as long as America exists, you will never ever have to. We will always be there by your side. 
Blinken's trip to Israel comes as the US reached an informal understanding with Qatar to hold off distributing $6 billion in oil revenue that Iran was allowed to access under a prisoner exchange deal. The decision comes as the Biden administration continues to investigate Tehran's possible involvement in last weekend's Hamas attack. European Union regulators have opened an inquiry into Elon Musk's ex over the handling of possibly illegal content related to the war between Israel and Hamas. The European Commission has sent the social network a formal request for details of its handling of potential terrorist or violent content on the platform. X, formerly known as Twitter, has one week to respond and could be fined if it provides the EU with inaccurate or incomplete information. Thursday was the worst day since March 2020 for US government bonds after hotter-than-expected inflation data and weak demand for a Treasury's auction fueled a surge in 30-year yields. Thursday's rout began after data showed CPI rose by 3.7% year-on-year in September. The news comes as Boston Fed President Susan Collins said the recent jump in Treasury yields could lessen the need for further hikes if it lasts. The rise in long-term yields implies some tightening of financial conditions. And if it persists, it likely reduces the need for further monetary policy tightening in the near term. This reinforces my view that we're very near and perhaps at the peak federal funds rate for this tightening cycle. Collins, who does not vote on monetary policy this year, is the latest in a series of policymakers to signal the possibility that higher long-term yields may replace more hikes from the US central bank. The Bank of England chief economist Hugh Pill says interest rate decisions are becoming, quote, finely balanced. The BOE has kept rates unchanged at five and a quarter percent last month amid signs inflation is coming under control. However, policymakers split over the decision and investors remain undecided over whether the fastest tightening cycle since the 1980s has now come to an end. The outlook for rates may become clearer next week when official figures on inflation and the labour market are due to be released. And in the United States, Steve Scalise has abandoned his short-lived campaign to become House Speaker following days of contentious meetings with fellow Republicans. Speaking to reporters, Scalise said it wasn't going to happen today or tomorrow. Our conference still has to come together and is not there. There are still some people that have their own agendas. And I was very clear, we have to have everybody put their agendas on the side and focus on what this country needs. This country is counting on us to come back together. This House of Representatives needs a speaker and we need to open up the House again. But clearly, not everybody is there. And there's still schisms that have to get resolved. Scalise's decision to withdraw has led several senior House Republicans to express doubt that any member of their party could get enough support to claim the Speaker's gavel without getting some help from Democrats. Republicans plan to meet again on Friday morning to discuss their next steps. And Bloomberg understands that the billionaire Jim Ratcliffe is emerging as the front runner to invest in Manchester United. The Ineos chairman may end up with an initial stake of roughly 25% of the football giant in a deal that could value the club at more than £5 billion. Manchester United's board is set to discuss the latest proposal as soon as in the next few days. 
Well, let's get more now on the latest in the Middle East this morning. Israel has told the United Nations to move its staff from northern Gaza and notify Palestinians in the area to leave, an indication that a ground operation could be imminent. The area covered by the warning is home to more than 1.1 million Palestinians. For the latest, we're joined by our head of Middle East and North Africa, Stuart Livingston Wallace. Stuart, good morning. What more can you tell us about this warning from the Israeli military and what it means for people in Gaza? Yeah, good morning. So, I mean, uh, I suppose the first thing to say is that this area is one of the most densely populated in the world. Uh, and so the notion that you can relocate over a million people in 24 hours is, I think, as the UN has said, pretty much impossible. I mean, for one thing, there's the logistics of moving that many people. For the second thing, you know, where exactly do you put them when uh, everywhere else in Gaza is already much pretty full up? You know, there is not extensive empty housing. On top of that, of course, there's been this blockade around the area uh, for some days, and we know that the solitary power plant is off. We still have some generators running, but the fuel will run out, and, and obviously food and meds are in uh, increasingly short supply. So, uh, it is intended uh, to move the civilian population out, as you say, in anticipation of some sort of ground war. Um, but again, sort of referring back to the UN statement, it is going to be a very difficult situation there, I suspect, in the next 24 hours. Uh, but again, it is pointing, as I think I've said the last couple of days, towards this what feels to be an inevitable ground war. We've got the 300,000 reservists called up. We've got the forward base being built. Um, things are escalating. Meanwhile, Egypt's president has said that Gazans must stay steadfast and remain on their land. But Egypt is also the only option for Palestinians trying to leave Gaza. How significant were the comments that we heard from the Egyptian president? Well, I think we sort of a couple of days ago, we, we uh, had a briefing from the White House in which they said they were in talks with Israel and Egypt to see if there was some way in which uh, you could move a certain number of people out. Uh, that doesn't uh, indeed appear not to have really got anywhere. I mean, I suppose part of the issue from Egypt's point of view is if they move across the border, where exactly does Egypt put them either? You know, it doesn't necessarily have the facilities for that many people. Um, so to some extent, it does feel like there aren't that many options. I mean, there are some smaller options. I, we know that there are uh, there's some sort of planning underway to see if there's a possibility to get certain citizens out of the Gaza Strip. So, for instance, the U.S. is thinking about that. But again, the options are very, very limited because the size of it, because it's so densely populated, and because there are so few options. After the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken's visit to Israel, we're now expecting the Defence Secretary to go there as well. This, as we have this political wrangling underway in Washington over approving more spending on, on military aid for Israel, how does that complicate the U.S. support for its ally? Well, I mean, sort of our big takeaway from that um, is that what it appears to be is more an attempt now, or at this stage, to stop this spreading uh, more widely. So rather than uh, any notion that they can go in and fix the immediate problem, that is the escalation around Gaza, uh, uh, and we suspect increasingly into Gaza, it's more about making sure as best they can that other nations don't join in. Now, there are, there are obviously limitations to that. I mean, uh, the one that we are obviously keeping a very careful eye on is to the north, where you have Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. We know are very well armed, very well organized, uh, and do have form when it comes to uh, attacking Israel. We have had a few 
relatively low level attacks in the in the last several days but obviously nothing on the scale uh, that might be possible and again similarly not just on the diplomatic side but also on the military side we've had deployments into the eastern mediterranean from the us you know that will continue and build up and that's really intended to be a deterrence in the sense that if you have a big navy sitting there, it's going to be much harder for anyone else to join in the fighting. Whether it's effective, of course, is a different matter and, and remains to be seen. We've also had this news that the US and Qatar are to hold off on distributing $6 billion worth of funds to Iran. How significant is, is that development? Well, I mean, I think it's, uh, to some extent, it's it's everyone is trying to figure out to what extent Iran knew about this or participated in the original attack on Saturday morning. Uh I should stress there is no evidence that has been presented so far that they actively knew about or actively participated. But I think what everyone would acknowledge is that Iran has been a backer of Hamas for many, many years, both financially, militarily. Uh, and therefore, there is a distinction to be drawn between uh, being involved in Hamas and supporting Hamas, but being actively involved in the planning and execution of, of the, uh, the atrocities that we saw on Saturday morning. Okay, Stuart Livingston-Wallace, our head of Middle East and North Africa, thank you very much for joining us with the latest on the developments in the Middle East. We're going to turn now to news around America's largest banks. Third quarter earnings season kicks off today. JP Morgan, Citigroup and Wells Fargo reporting in just a few hours' time. And we're expecting the numbers from Bank of America, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley early next week. We have Bloomberg's Charlie Wells in studio to look ahead to those uh, earnings reports. Charlie, good morning to you. What are analysts looking out for today? Well, Stephen, there's going to be an intense interest on interest rates, no pun intended. And, you know, especially how that is trickling over into net interest income for these large banks. Now, that has been such a positive story for America's largest banks. They have been able to charge more for their lending than they've had to pay out to depositors. But what we are seeing is some pressure here as rates remain higher for longer. We're seeing some pressure on consumer deposits as consumers have more options. I'm thinking, money market funds and CDs, um, but also some, you know, some lending softness as well. So that's one key issue. Um, I think also looking at just investment banking revenue, revenue from trading. Citigroup is the only large bank expected to post an increase there. So it's not going to be an optimistic earnings season, I would say. Early days, but stuff tough. Okay, so who's expected then to come out ahead and who are the laggards in this group? Really striking. I think JP Morgan in particular has in this year of banking crises in this year of you know bond market surprises of high interest rates JP Morgan has st- stood out for overperforming we see that in their share price we're, we're seeing that in expectations for their um, you know earnings per share expected in the third quarter to be up 26% when you look at the other banks expectations are lower so for Wells Fargo which is reporting later today an estimate of down 4% for earnings per share and then Citigroup also reporting in just a few hours down 18 so you compare 18% earnings per share estimates to an increase of 26% for JP Morgan. Huge divergence there. Yeah, sure. Qu- quite a range of those. Uh, on the investment banking side of things, there has been an uptick in IPO activity recently from a pretty moribund start, it has to be said. Is that going to turn the dial for any of the mega banks? Yeah, so there's been some kind of big name IPOs, which might make people think, all right, so is deal making back? Is underwriting back? Um, and look, I think when you look at Instacart, we were again talking about that one 
for years looking forward to that mm-hmm. as a potential, um, you know, turning point in deal making. And while equities underwriting is expected to boost some of the earnings for these banks, M and A activity has still been very, very muted. And so I think um, it's not going to be a pretty picture yet again in this earnings season when we've been looking forward so long for a change in that story. What's the bigger picture here for the U.S. and global economy? Uh, I think it's really going to be a focus on the U.S. consumer. I think at a time when you know we're wondering if there can be a soft landing, there is even more volatility in the air now, given the geopolitical situation. I think these reports may give an indication of where that U.S. consumer is. Um, you know, some bank CEOs have been talking about potential creditworthiness of some of their kind of lower credit store credit score consumers, mm-hmm. potentially um, you know not being able to pay back some of the loans, and we see that in some of the numbers. So, according to some Bloomberg data, there's an estimate that these four large banks have set aside $5.3 billion for net charge-offs, so that's money that they're expecting not to get back from the consumer. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. We bring you news and analysis every day on the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast, but now you can hear the latest news on demand whenever you want it. Subscribe to Bloomberg News Now to get the latest headlines at the click of a button. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Search Bloomberg News Now and subscribe today. Success. It's discipline. It's teamwork. It's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing global wealth management and investment banking firms in the industry. Stiefel, it's where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.